Welcome to the People's Show. It is Bic Nazar coming to you live from the Kintech studio and Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You can always text in, be part of the show, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Always encouraging you to be part of the show. To the smart alternative, visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. They do it again. Multi-goal leads. They lose. Don't come out on top. Although this time oh, they got... No! We suck again! But we need a new version of that clip. We, we, we need like... We, we have again, suck again! And again! No, and no. Again. Look, they got one point last night. So it, it, it's not quite as bad. But it's still pretty bad. They keep picking up L's. Should we get along DJ Khaled? The way. Another, Another one. one. Another one. Another one. Boy, it's tough. Uh, we talked a little about it a lot in the post game show. Myself and Satyar Shah. You can grab that on the Canuck Central pod. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're subscribed to this one as well. If you're listening on the pod right now, well, we appreciate you as well. Uh, it is the People Show uh, run by Dominic Sharmati and intern David Nava as well. Behind the scenes, doing great work. So last night, it keeps uh, going wrong for the Vancouver Canucks. Trying to make a comeback, and it doesn't come off again. And it was a spirited affair as well. And we talked about it last night. Is this a bigger problem? Not just blowing leads. Is this about mentality, competitive nature? And everything else. We'll talk to Yannick Hansen in just a second. To me, to me, this is more of a mentality thing than, hey, how do you fix better leads? And I know everyone like laughs at me about the defense thing. Dom, you, you've laughed at me about the defense thing. I, I harp on overall team defense. Randeep has laughed at me. Jamie, whoever. The listeners texting in. Defense is a big problem. And not just puck moving. These are like backdoor tap-ins that are going. Easy wraparound goals. Simple stuff that they are getting wrong. Team defense matters right now. They don't really have a foundation in which they can build the rest of the play around. And things are crumbling when teams try to up their level even a little bit. Uh, let's get into it with uh, Yannick Hansen, who's brought to you by Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquillum, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Yannick, it's 0-3-1, and it has not started how anybody wanted to. Uh, you know, I've been saying last night, last couple of days, like this is a bigger problem than just um, blown leads. It's a better problem to have than the penalty kill that we talked about last year, although the penalty kill is not exactly doing great right now. But when you see what's happening, is this a symptom of something else? Um, I think we got to go back to, to the summer and we talked about what this team needed um, and, and it needed to, to solve their, their defense. They didn't, and I think this is uh, what we're seeing right now because it, it was never a question about whether or not this Ford group could score goals. They can, and they've scored enough goals through four games to win four games. Uh, the, the problem being they, they, can't, they can't defend, they can't keep the puck out of their own net, um, and that, of course, is a big, uh, big issue. 
Um, but, but again, they, they come back with, with the same defense, um, maybe even uh, limping in a, a couple of injuries. Tyler Myers, uh, Dermer not in to, to begin with, uh, which all of a sudden you're, you're digging even deeper into your defense pool that was already thin. Um, so, so yeah, it is an issue because it's an issue you don't see fixed that easily. Um, penalty kill being penalty kill, we, we've been on top of, of specialty teams for so long with this team, and, and it's something they need to, to sort out because it, it's losing them games almost uh, every game that, that this year. It's, it's been some sort of specialty teams that's come back and bite them in the butt. Um, like I said, they, they've uh, they've scored enough goals to win all four games, um, but when you give up four, five, six goals, well, you're, you're not going to win in this league. Um, you're not going to win consistently. Yeah, there will be entertaining games, and you'll win some of these six, four, six, five games here and there, and everybody leaves uh, the, the rink excited for, for a game with a high-scoring affair. Um, but if your aspirations are to anything more than entertainment here and there, you need to, to bury down and find a way to keep pucks out of your net. Is it specifically about like the, the six D-men back there, or is it the overall structure of the team, the, the overall defensive foundation? Because the goals they give up to, they're, they're in transition. That, to me, that's part of the forwards. And it's, it's a lot of high-value type goals and shots, like backdoor tap-ins and breakaways that are happening. Is it just about the six D-men, or is it about the overall team? The, the defense group has never been, uh, or the, the, the four group has never been a group that screams defensively re, re, reasonable or resoundable and, and, and good at it. Um, these guys are scoring goals and they're trying to get out of trouble that way. Um, now, nowadays, you want four lines who can contribute offensively, and that obviously takes away a little bit of that checking lag that, that all the years I played. The third line, you didn't really need to score, just didn't make sure you shut down somebody. Fourth line, bonus, uh, just don't get scored on again. And every team kind of had that, so it was a lot more uh, defined in terms of, of top six and, and bottom six. So you had more defensively sound forwards, where if you look at um, at Canucks these days, uh, Mikheyev is one I'd peg as a defensively sound forward. Um, obviously, the centers are, are supposed to be there too. The Canucks have for sure Bo Hovat, who, who I, I trust in that regard. The other two centers are, are the offensive um, type of centers that, that Again, you have a ball over to take some of the relief off of those so they can be uh, thrust in a, in a situation where they perform a lot of offensive zone draws and, and these things. Um, but again, back to the D, it, it is, it, it's hard to keep kicking a, a dying horse here, but, but again, they, they, they needed to fix this. I, I thought, I thought it was, it was a big issue. Um, it's not an easy fix. Um, they fixed the forward groups in terms of, of rounding it out, but it was it was easier positions that needed dealt with. Where when you're looking at a number two, number three, number four defenseman it, it, that needs uh, replacing in your roster, that that that's a mouthful. And I knew that going into, so I wasn't expecting all of it done. But again, they they, they did nothing. Um, and now it might come back to, to bite them a little bit. Like I mentioned, the, the injuries aren't doing them any favors whatsoever. 
Um, they had a bunch of guys who've done very little preseason uh, as well, so they're probably not hitting the ground running. Um, so again, you hope that um, that their scoring and their offensive abilities can kind of get them through this rough patch and kind of smooth things over, and then find a way to to get them rolling. There's no question they have. They have a phenomenal goaltender, and even though Demko has given up uh, more goals than we're accustomed to, um, I have a hard time finding goals where it's like, okay, Demo, you should have had that one. Going back to Edmonton, it was three backdoor tap-ins where he's lying on his knees and they, they whip it around and uh, break away second and third opportunities. So it, it's it's really hard to, to pin it on him as well. Um, again, you never like to see your goalie get picked apart three, four, five times a, a, a night. But like, in the, the opportunities that are being given to, to the opposition, it's, it's, it's hard to fault that many goals going in. Is there uh, too many high-risk players on this team? Because uh, you watch Miller, how he handles the puck sometimes in the defensive zone. It, it can be high-risk. He likes to control the puck, but he tends to make high-risk plays. Pullman can be overconfident on the puck. Horvat, for me, last night, I thought he was the best player on the ice, but in overtime, kind of makes a high-risk play to go uh, come across and stop that rush, and he misses it, and suddenly it's a two-on-one. Garland tends to make a lot of high-risk passes as well. Is there too many of those styles of players on this team? Uh, it's hard because again, Miller, Miller puts up uh, almost 100 points last uh, last year playing this style uh, and probably the best forward on the team. He plays that, but when you look at it coming back and hurting the Canucks as it did in a couple of uh, the, the early games here, where it is his decision making, passing, drop passing back through the goals to to breakaways and tying goals on on the power play, then yes, you have too many making these mistakes. Um, we always talk about this uh, this leash you get from from your coach. Um, as long as you're you're rewarding him with um, more than you give up, um, but right now you're you're giving up more than you're than you're giving, and and then it's not okay. And again, Miller is a different animal than uh, than Tucker Pullman and and Garland. They need to play with a more safe because they don't do the same type of offensive stuff that he does. Um, I can live with it a little bit more, but again, not not to the extent it had in the beginning of the season. He, he said it famously himself, and I'm sure you guys have been all over that with how many goals he's been on the ice for. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't keep, um, or you can't say, oh, well, yeah, I was on the ice for, for this and that goal, but it, it didn't include me. You know, when, when it's that many that often, uh, and it's black and white on, on, on TV, it's from leaving his blade, and it's, it, it's a turnover that leads to a goal, then, then you need to clean up your, your game. You need to get back to some uh, foundation of safe and security. And then when you start to get on a roll again, then let's step outside the comfort box and play with a little higher risk. But uh, when you're hurting, uh, hurting your team, you need to, to dial it back a bit and, and then get on the right side of things. He, he's interesting too right now because you know when he first got played in that center it was almost hey some injuries were there and and they just he can play center and now it seems like it's it's just become normal for him to play center when you view him is is he a center or is he a winger that can play center oh he's been a center for so long now and, he, and how effective he was last year um, I wouldn't move him back to the wing um, that being said I, I've also mentioned this that it's a lot of ice time that goes through uh, uh, Peter, Peterson, Horvat, and Miller. It doesn't leave a lot for your fourth center. Um, you can't have them all on the ice at the same time. They take each other off. Uh, if these guys run into 20, 20 plus minutes, there's there's no minutes going around anymore. Yeah, they they get some of these minutes together on the power play. I, I get that, but again, 
you'd like to see your your top guys on the ice as as much as possible um, without hurting the other part of your lineup whether it's it's your fourth line or or however it might be who who's venturing into this five six eight nine minutes which which is not enough if you want them contributing um talking about contributing again it's it's one of those things where you need to get more out of out of everyone which includes the the fourth line um again the identity i have a hard time seeing right now now from them you you wound up and you got some some bigger guys who could um hopefully tilt the ice um provide some some physicality uh I, i've seen almost none of that um which is a little concerning considering how the top nine looks because um, you're not going to get a lot of a lot of physical play out of them and now we're back to relying on Burles and and Luke Shen again to do this uh, which is something I'd hope that they'd find some some one or two forwards on the fourth line who could who could do this and, and would do it on a on a regular basis talking to Yannick Hansen who joins us uh, usually on Tuesdays here on the people show uh, game day yesterday today on Wednesday uh, all right so what is this like oh three and one you're going through a losing streak especially at the beginning of a year it's not like you can say hey 10 day to 10 days ago we were winning so let's focus on that um, at the beginning the beginning of a year what is this like especially on a road trip and what do you think is the mood like for a player in this mindset right now yeah, reality hits real quick. Uh, normally, you kind of have a okay touchy feel with 500, uh, maybe a game above, a game below, uh, five, six, seven, eight games into the season, kind of get your footing. But but right now, it's uh, I sense panic, sheer panic, to be honest. Um, the fact that they call a players-only meeting uh, two or three games in, into the season is concerning. Um, that leads me to like locker room issues, leadership uh, problems, and all these things I, I hate to speculate about. Um, but but when I see something like that that early, um, that, that is what it leads me to. Um, so, so again, you hope that this is, uh, I don't know, a, a mental, mental, mental fart, if you will, and then they're right back on track. Um, but it doesn't get any easier. They're running into a mini team now that, that on paper looks, looks good. Um, that haven't found their footing at all either, uh, and then they're back home, and we're seeing uh, seeing good opposition teams again. It's never easy coming home after a long road trip, playing home opener, all these things. Pressure, team aren't, aren't performing. Uh, you, you need to sort this out really quickly, or we're going to be right back where we were last year, where we started discussing, well, what's going to happen with the last. 50 games of the season here. I, I do want to talk about the locker room thing in just a little bit because uh, there was a story out today, so we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but like, I, I know we've talked about this too before, just like the, the the mental state and the mentality players have. Can that be fixed? Can that be learned? Can that be developed? I know we, we, I'm sure we've asked you about this before, and I think your answer has been, well, you've got to go do it. Like, like You have to go win. But can that be developed and, and earned from a player? In a winning environment, you can learn how to win, uh, but you got to do it. Um, there, there's always growing pains. Every team has them. Look at Colorado. Look how many years they were all terrible, um, and now they're winning. So McKinnon and all, McKinnon and all these guys that were playing in, in these losing teams year after year, yeah, they they found a way to get out of that. Their team got good enough. They started winning. Um, not by luck or accident, they got better. Uh, you added some more players, and then you're starting to get this winning in environment. Uh, and you still got to lose. They they were still the best team 
two years ago and found a way to, to lose to, I believe it was Vegas um, when they should have been winning anyways. Um, so you, you go through this and there's ups and downs, but it, it takes winning and, and you cannot, you can't have somebody come in from the outside and tell you what to do, how to do it and what it feels like. No, you, you have to go through it. Your team has to do it. Enough of the guys have to be through the entire process to kind of get a familiarity with it. And then it'll filter out to the players you add around them but but it it boils down to the team that they can find a way to win um, and then then build on that you mentioned the players only meeting uh, how many players only meetings uh, were you in oh i don't know we probably you probably have one uh, i don't know i wouldn't say one a year we had some some very good years but still we had down down stretches where we'd lose four or five in a row and uh, bridges are burning and houses are falling down and stuff like this um but then again, that's where your leadership leadership group gets you out of it. Um, they, they they take charge in a way of the dressing room that no coaches can do. A coach can only come in and yell so much. Um, at the end, it boils down to the guys in the room, and they're the ones that steps on the ice. Those are the ones that can win the game, and it's that simple. Um, and again, when, when we were having issues, um, it wasn't one or two people who did this for us uh, it might have been the sedines on the ice um, or, or whoever it might be um, but, but in the dressing room it was a leadership group whether it was Burke, Hess, uh, BX, Luongo or, or any of these guys uh, with a bigger voice that would stand up and, and hold guys accountable um, that, that's probably one of the most important part, uh, holding, holding each other accountable to what we know we can do, how we can perform, and how we can play. Because um, when you look at them, they're like, oh, you're missing a little bit here. You're, you're turning over these pucks, and uh, you should probably be back-checking here, and you shouldn't take that chance there. Well, if nobody holds you accountable in the dressing room in a way that you're, I wouldn't say fearing it, um, but again, you're letting your teammates down, then, well, it, it might happen again. Somebody else might do it because they're saying, hey, this guy can do it. Maybe maybe can I can do it as well. Um, and then that snowball just keeps pummeling down. So you, you need a dressing room that, that holds itself um, to, I would say, an even higher standard than, than people around and, and your coaches does if you want to succeed. You mentioned the coach, uh, Bruce Boudreau, right now. For for me, I, I'm not sure if he's hit the right notes because they do the bag skate on Sunday, getting ready for a back-to-back, and then he scratches a veteran yesterday in Connor Garland. You know, when, when he starts doing stuff like that, is this um, a coach just trying to play some cards to try to motivate some guys? It, it, at this point in the season early on, is this the right type of move to do? Yeah, you're trying to shake the dressing room. Uh, obviously, scratching Garland is... Uh, when, when you look at, at how the team has been going, it, it sends it sends a message. Uh, he's a high-paid guy. Um, he, he plays um, more minutes than a lot of other guys. Um, he's found the back of the net. He, he does these things that not a lot of other guys do. Um, you, you could have scratched... Uh, four, five, six other guys as well, but but you choose him. I think it is is to send a message to, to the room that, hey, uh, this this is not okay. Uh, figure it out, find a way. Uh, the bag skate, they, they happen, uh, and whether it's just because it happened to be scheduled into the, the, the season and how you run your skates and make sure that there are some of these incorporated or it just happened to fall on that day, it's a little harder to predict. Um, but when you start pulling out... Um, a guy like him, uh, that then you're, you're, you're sending a message and you're trying to push uh, some buttons that I'm sure he would uh, have rather not done for, for another couple of months if he was forced to. 
Right, but when 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 they still lose. And then you th- you talk about that message, and the message I guess doesn't land. If it, it feels like a risky move then to pull off, and does it land in that message even when a veteran is crashed? Yeah, but but he's got no he's got no alternatives. Again, I, like I said before, he, it's the players that that's got to go out and win these games on on the ice. Um, was the team any different when when Greener had them last year than when Bruce took over? No. Uh, mm-hmm. He changed some things they played, but it was still JT Miller. It was still PD. Still Quinn Hughes, it was still uh, Demko. It's still these guys that are playing. Um, did they forget to play hockey over the summer? Um, did they all of a sudden realize how to play hockey when Bruce stepped into the dressing room last year? No, it, it comes down to you got to, as an NHL player, you got to find a way, you got to motivate yourself, you got to be prepared to play. At least we're not talking about them not coming out ready because they are coming out ready. They're, they're playing. Again, Philly, they weren't the greatest in the first period, but they're up, and it's easier to play from from in front. And you're thinking, if you keep getting up, we will win more of these games than we'll lose. Um, but, but again, there there are too many holes individual that translate into the team game, and and all of a sudden you have you have a losing team. Was he the right person to scratch then? How about that? I don't know. I don't know. Again, I it, it's so early. I wouldn't have scratched him. Let me put. I was I was a little surprised when he did it. Right. Um, I would have picked. Uh, again, you need to get McKay in. There's no question about that. Um, uh, but but I I, I would have picked. Um, I don't know if you want me naming naming names. No, it's but, fine. Uh, I'm just trying to put from the player's perspective in a scenario when okay, they the coach picks the wrong person to scratch. What are you then thinking? Yeah, but again, you know he's doing this for a reason. Like, if I'm sitting in that racing room, I was like, okay, this is this is, this is a three game in the season, and this is a wake up call. He just just scratched uh, Connor, and and he he should be playing. He he's too good to be sitting out. So let's get our let's get our ducks in a row here, and, and let's let's go win some hockey games because because obviously it's not good enough. Um, but like I said, they had a, a players only meeting a couple of days earlier. Uh, so, so it's 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 again like how much more do you need of signals and button button putting uh, pushing here in order to realize that that we gotta get better in, in a hurry here. Um, so, so again, it I think it probably hurt the lineup more than it helped too with the the product on the ice because again I've I've always liked uh, Garland. I liked what he he does. Um, he he draws a lot of attention. He creates plays. Um, he seems dangerous at times. He's tenacious and, and all these things. Um, like I said, I, I could have picked uh, three other guys I would have yanked out of the lineup in a heartbeat before him. Um, uh, so, again, it's it's a message you're trying to send and you're hoping for, for a result. You almost had it, but, but again, um, uh, it's what coaches do. Find a couple moments here with Yannick Hansen, who joins us here on The People's Show. Uh, you mentioned the locker room, and, and I wanted to ask you about this. There's a story today uh, from Colby Cohen talking about uh, that there's a lot of friction in the dressing room between some of the star players and the rest of the team. It's really clicky in that dressing room. I, I'll ask you this. Does everyone need to like each other in a locker room for the team to win? No, you don't need to like each other, but you need to have respect for each other and be able to... Uh, to get into unison together. Um, again, this is not the first time we're hearing these reports coming out of the dressing room. We've heard it before. Uh, it's troubling. Um, and again, sometimes when there's smoke, there, there there's a fire. Again, we don't know unless you're you're a fly on the wall what goes on in there. Um, uh, again, cliques. That's a that's a rough term because when you have 
nationalities, whether it's Swedes, Russians, or, or whatever it might be in dressing room, you will have guys hanging out with guys more than others, um, and, and that's fine. If it becomes where you're you're almost competing with each other, if you will, that then it becomes an issue. Uh, but but again, I think we mentioned others last year too early under on, on a greener like they, they need to nip this in the bud as fast as possible if there is any sort of of friction. Uh, a lot of these guys now that were mentioned in this friction um, are signed to to longer deals now, uh, with the exception of of obviously Bowl. Um, so they, they got to find a way to to get along if they don't for the for foreseeable future if if they're going to be playing together for a long time. Uh, he is Yannick Hansen. Uh, we appreciate it as always, Yannick. Uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Take care. Yannick Hansen, brought to you by Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Uh, on the locker room stuff, do we have this clipped on? We All right, let's uh, just air this uh, from the Daily Faceoff show. Uh, Colby Cohen uh, jumping on with them today. Uh, here's what he had to say. Yeah, it's really evident, Frank, that they're sitting in the dressing room waiting for bad things to happen to them. And I do think that a lot of this dysfunction starts above the locker room and outside of the locker room. And I think there's a lot of question marks there in Vancouver right now as to really who's in charge, who's calling the shots. Is there uh, any cohesiveness between coach, GM, GM, president of hockey ops? You know, I'm just hearing a lot of things out of that dressing room that are real distracting for the players. Are guys going to be there? Um, you look at their roster and you look at, you know, the only notable free agent after this season is Bo Horvat. So this is really the team that they're going to have. It's not like they're sitting there blessed with a ton of cap space, but uh, you can be fragile as a team and you start looking around, guys start blaming each other. Um, they obviously have a good goaltender, but you know, I've heard there's a lot of friction in that dressing room between some of the, you know, star players and then the rest of the team. It's real clicky uh, in that dressing room. You know, the way that they're promoting players, particularly on their social media channels and just everything that I hear coming out of that dressing room, Frank, it seems really dysfunctional at the moment. So in general, and look, I'm not disputing the, the report from Colby at all, but I, I, in general, I would say... Locker rooms don't need to be friendly. Just right now, like, look, these are athletes, they're human beings. Just right now, look around your workplace, your office, your construction site, your emergency room, your teacher's lounge, wherever you are, however, however you're listening on the pod live, just look around your workplace. Do you like everyone that you work with? Just just ask yourself, if, if you're working from home, bring up the, the, the company uh, HR list or whatever. Part of the job is learning how to deal with a variety of personalities around you in a workplace to still achieve something that is a common goal. You don't necessarily have to like everyone that you work with, but look at this show. You do have example. to get along and figure it out together as a level of respect, and eventually get to the stages where you're winning. Just like you and I, hundred percent. We hate each other outside of these walls. Barely talk, but we come on and we make a good show. It's called a working relationship. If you can't be bros, be bros. Boom. We're going to break. Danny Kelly on the other side. Get in your fantasy football questions. Week seven, halfway through the year. Uh, he'll join us next. 650, 650. If you got fantasy football questions, Danny Kelly on the way.
Wednesday, we'll connect with our guy, Danny Kelly, from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back to the People's Show, broadcasting from the Kintech Studio. Our Fantasy Pool Update, brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens, two giant projectors, the ClaytonPub.com. Dom, how are you doing in the uh, People's Show League? I'm, I'm getting sliding, worked. dealing with injuries. I've now lost two in a row. I'm getting, but I'm still worked. second in the league. Yeah, no, I, I'm getting absolutely crushed here. Big shout out to uh, our side of the league. I think I'm in last place actually. No. Yeah. What's funny is juxtapose that to the 650 work league. Crushing it. You're miles ahead of everybody. Uh, well, look, my I think my side of the league's got a bunch of sharps in it. Basically, it's it's, it's what's happened. Yeah. Whereas yeah. our and league, then, is... and then Dan from Van on my side is. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's is crushing it. Ragers crushing it. Uh, Parkside Brewery football team crushing it. Guess who's not crushing it? Randy Janda. Randy Janda. Massive. That's all I care about, really. As long as I beat Randy, that's all I care about. I- I'm happy the listeners winning. Uh, as long as I beat Randy on the other side, that's that's all that really matters. Uh, check in your reaction. Six fifty, six fifty. Just talk to Yannick Hansen. Uh, you can uh, catch it on the podcast in just a little bit as well. Uh, this one, Yannick's the best, always enjoy his spots and his perspective. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, this one, hi there, Chris from Victoria. What is the best way to fix the defense and get a two-way senator? Is it to rebuild, take a step back, or two years, uh, for two years, or make a big trade? It, it does seem like there's a certain threading of the needle trying to go down. Look, they, they retain JT Miller for seven years, plus including this one, so it's going to be some time that he's still here. Uh, you are going to have to make a trade at some point or do the long build, which I don't think they really want to do. Capitalize on the Statue Demco contract. Capitalize on Quinn Hughes in his prime. Capitalize on Elias Pettersson right now, uh, who started off the season very, very well as well. Uh, so could we see a trade on the horizon? I still think December, January makes the most sense. And so in the meantime, they're going to have to figure out that on their own, uh, just like you might have to as well with your fantasy football lineup halfway through the season dk now now it gets real wow we're halfway there that's weird very weird right like yeah about 14 weeks right yeah i mean definitely the regular fantasy regular season and the fantasy playoffs again so geez flying by absolutely uh so i I, i've got a theory to pitch you um that, uh, yeah, the, the, the Green Bay Packers, like, the, like we, we talked about them before, they just look slow and they're not fun. I'm convinced uh, Aaron Rodgers is only throwing to his friends, and so I want <laughs> I want Robert Tanyan in every league now. We talked about how, how tough tight end yeah. is. I just, I, I like, everything about Green Bay right now just feels dysfunctional. I don't know if there's mistrust between the, the QB and the coaching staff, but it just feels like he's like, hey, Randall Cobb, you're getting the ball. Aaron Jones, I want you to have the ball. Robert Tanyan, I know who you are. You're getting the ball. <laughs> Alan Lazard, I'm giving you the ball. Yeah. I, if we're, we've been trying to figure out this tight end landmine for so long, I'd be trying to grab Robert Tanyan anywhere. I mean, yeah, especially if you think that the Packers are going to continue to struggle and maybe have some more, like, trailing game scripts. Because, obviously, when they're winning and when they're leading, they're going to want to run the ball a lot. They're going to want to just kind of take it slow, slow the game down. Um, but when they're behind, yeah, that was, I think, a big reason we saw Tunyon go off this last weekend. It was just basically he was the outlet for Rodgers, and they had to go up-tempo, play, like, play with more passing and, and things like that. So that definitely benefited him. Also, with Cobb out, because I think Cobb had like a high ankle sprain or some some issue that's going to keep him out a couple of weeks. 
with Cobb out, Tunyon sort of becomes the de facto slot receiver. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I like that call. Uh, was last week, uh, you know, just trying to pick themes from the week, uh, was last week the start of the emerging uh, rookie running backs? We saw Brees Hall continue what he's doing for the New York Jets, and then Kenneth Walker on uh, his first chance to really uh, be the lead guy. Uh, I think he finished as running back four or five last week. Uh, is is this the start of something for the rookie running backs? Yeah, Brees, I think Brees is like the RB4 or something in the last two weeks combined. I mean, he's had two really strong outings last two weeks. Um, especially through the air, which was kind of, I guess, a question mark coming into the season. Like with Michael Carter in the same backfield, I think the assumption was that he was going to, Carter was going to do all the passing game work and then Brees Hall would get like the less valuable early down work and it was like neither of these guys are going to be all that valuable. But in the end, um, I think the, the talent is showing out. Like Brees Hall was a very good prospect, 4-3 speed, very, very productive in college, good size. Uh, three down works, uh, three down skill set, so he can catch passes, of course, and he's already showing that this year. So um, the fears that he would be in some sort of like timeshare with with Michael Carter are kind of not really, you know, panning out. And in fact, he's he's looking like one of the biggest steals in fantasy football so far. He's kind of got that Jonathan Taylor rookie season vibe going on. And and if he could, if the Jets continue again, if the Jets continue to be pretty good, uh, that's actually a very good for, for Brees Hall because he's just going to get more touches. They're going to really pound the rock. They want to be run heavy, especially with Zach Wilson under center. So yeah, like all the, all the signs are pointing towards a really strong finish for Brees Hall. So um, I'm pretty excited about what he can do the second half of the year. I guess we should throw Brian Robinson into that mix too. Cause he finishes like running back 16. Yeah. I mean, he, that offense I think is going to be tough to decipher going forward because you got, you know, I think the coaches are already talking about how they're, they're bummed out. They didn't stick with Antonio Gibson a little bit more, which always is a little bit of alarm bells in the <laughs> right. fantasy world. Um, so I don't know exactly what to think about this, but, um, yeah, I mean, he coming back after getting shot and being the starter literally in his first game back, I mean, I think there's something there. And so if he can kind of hold Gibson off and hold on to like the vast majority of the workload in that offense. And by the way, if Taylor Heineke can keep this offense kind of going and scoring points, um, then I think Robinson has a chance to be a good surprise, but I wouldn't get too excited just because they have three man rotation in that backfield and, it always gets messy, and I don't know if Brian Robinson is the guy that you want when Washington is losing because he's not going to be catching a ton of passes. He's probably more of like a goal line and early down type guy. Trying to decipher, yeah, what coaches want uh, to say in in media is is always difficult. Uh, I, I know yeah. in Chicago they talked about, hey, we're going to ride the hot hand mm-hmm. at running back, and I, I feel like David Montgomery has had a productive season, if not by volume, but Khalil Herbert has done a very efficient season. So if they ride the yeah. hot hand, are we going to look at that and say, for for Montgomery starters, how confident are they going to feel? <laughs> I have the feeling that both Montgomery and Herbert, like the fantasy managers are just going to be frustrated this whole year. Um, unless one of these guys really emerges or, and or one of them gets hurt. Um, I'm guessing you're going to see like one guy go off one week, the other guy go off the next week, the other guy go off the next week and, and vice versa. And it's just going to be kind of frustrating. It's like whack-a-mole trying to figure out who is going to be the guy week in and week out. They're, they're going to end up cannibalizing each other a little bit with volume. So, they're going to be dependent on big plays and things of that nature. I don't know. The fact that he's talking about running with the hot hand is the worst case scenario. Like I'd almost rather them just pick a guy and go with them so we can actually know what to expect going forward. So this is kind of like when it comes to coach speak, one of the like worst things you want to hear, I think. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I do think it's worth picking up Herbert just because he's looked so good, you know, in his limited opportunities this year. Like he's more explosive than Montgomery. He's a different style of player than Montgomery. He's more downhill, one cut 
get downhill, whereas Montgomery is like, I'm going to break a bunch of tackles and juke guys out of their, out of their socks and things like that. But um, I mean, yeah, it, it's tough. It, and especially in an offense like the bears where, you know, they're not going to score a ton of points. So to me, this is not great news that, that they're going to end up doing the hot hand thing because it just makes it impossible to predict. So as guys rise then and new names emerge, uh, someone's got to start sliding down. Uh, I'll throw a couple of names here. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, who else will you know, uh, name value? I guess Aaron Jones barely touched the ball. Uh, should we be worried James about those Robinson. guys? Yeah, James Robinson. James. Yes, I think we should be worried about all these guys. So, like, obviously, I think if you didn't trade – Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a couple weeks ago, I think like the sell high window is probably closed. If he does have a good another game or whatever, and two games here or there or whatever, I think that's your opportunity to sell him. But like again, the usage for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in particular is just not strong. He's not getting a ton of snaps. There's a three-way rotation in this backfield. He's not like a reliable goal line threat. He's not a reliable pass catcher. I don't know what exactly he does um, that keeps him or, or that helps him kind of like take back the the vast majority of this offensive like snap count like it basically he's just not good enough to like command a 60 70 80 percent snap count and that really kind of caps him and, and you're going to get like you're going to get five point games you're going to get 15 point games if he scores a touchdown but generally speaking he's not the type of guy you want he's not going to be like a league winning type unless there's some sort of shift in how to start utilizing their running backs um and then zeke elliott man i, I you know I'm hoping that this Dak Prescott return will help this offense overall because uh, Zeke has been one of those guys where you really just kind of depend on him to score touchdowns. And, and, you know, he's like the battering ram inside the five yard line and all that, but they just haven't had that many opportunities this year for him to do that. He only has two touchdowns in six weeks. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, we're going to need to see Zeke start scoring way more touchdowns if he's going to actually be super fantasy relevant. I, I kind of have my doubts there. Uh, you can get your uh, text in, 650-650, into the uh, Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. For Danny Kelly, uh, talking fantasy football from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show uh, with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck. Uh, you can also email them at uh, ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. So looking at wide receivers, I, I feel like uh, people are just discovering someone like Tyquan Thornton, uh, but this is the type of player I imagine that you you, you salivate about in the preseason and, <laughs> and, and you just wait. Because my understanding, hyper-athletic and small school guy, right? Yeah, uh, he is from Baylor, so I don't know if small. Yeah, okay, not that's a big school, yeah. a, Not necessarily like a wide receiver factor. In fact, a lot of the Baylor receivers have not done well in the NFL, which is kind of a, a bad mark for him. Um, but yeah, he, he is hyper, hyper, hyper athletic. I mean, this guy, for a minute at the combine this last year, we thought he had broken the all time uh, 40 record. I think he ran like a 4 2 1 or something like that. And then it came out like a little later that the timer was all messed up and they were like shaving off like a, a little bit on all these guys numbers and the official numbers were lower. But um, I think it does give you an idea. Like this guy is a like rare, fast, extraordinary speed. So that's, that's one thing. Um, but he's also, you know, a little more, he has more wiggle and shake in the short area than like you'd expect from sort of a skinny wiry guy. And they, and we saw that they were giving him manufactured touches in the offense and around, I think he had two or three uh, uh, rushes on the day. They're lining him up all over the formation. So it's really exciting because he, he was a guy that in the preseason was actually looking pretty good too. Um, he was a surprise second rounder. I think a lot of people were like, wow, did not expect him to go that high. But, you know, if you combine what he did in the preseason, which was very impressive with like this game, um, you know, maybe it's looking like the, the Patriots finally got one right at the receiver position here. And, I, and I'm pretty excited about what he can do. I would – like exercise caution with him this week because he only played 
I don't know, something like 40% of the snaps. He was still fourth in um, the pecking order in this receiving group. But at the, at the same time, like, I think he has a chance to really grow his role. Um, he's coming back from a collarbone injury that kept him out six weeks. So, um, yeah, I think he's definitely got to keep in mind, stash him on your bench, see if he can start to expand his role in this offense. And if he plays 80, 90, 100% of the snaps, he's going to start producing in this offense because this is actually a pretty good offense in New England, which is another big surprise this year. Uh, you mentioned selling high on someone like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? And, and and there's so much timing involved in fantasy sports and just knowing when to, to buy low, sell high. Someone that had a lot of hype coming into the season, Gabe Davis, starts the season strong, but then two weeks uh, was quiet, missed a week as well, and then explodes the last two weeks. Is this like, hey, we're, we're, we're recapturing the preseason value and maybe it was just an injury thing that why he was slowed down? And you want to hold on to him, or is this a chance to, hey, I want to get off the roller coaster. I'm going to sell high after these two big weeks here. <laughs> I think it just depends on your personality. Like, I don't think the roller coaster is going to end. I think you're going to see extreme highs and probably some very disappointing, annoying lows when it comes to Gabe Gabe because he's not a high target volume earning guy. He's a guy that makes big plays down the field. Um, and so, you know, in terms of how reliable that is, like he's kind of like, I guess the best, you know, comp would be like you, Tyler Lockett during sort of the peak of the Russell Wilson era. He's going to catch a couple like 30, 40, 50 right. touchdown passes in one game and then score like two points in the next game. It's going to be super frustrating. But at the same time, those big games, the 30-point games, are going to help you win some weeks. And so, you know, he's, he's kind of that Tyler Lockett, that mold where of a deep threat, big play threat, but not necessarily – super reliable. So if you don't like that, if you don't want that, I would sell high and try and get somebody that's a little bit more reliable week in and week out. Um, but if you have like a pretty deep team, if you have a good team and he's the type of guy that could push your team over the top if he has a big game, like that's the kind of guy I like having on my team because those 30 point games, those win you weeks. Uh, let's do some uh, quick fire here in the inbox. Uh, you mentioned Tyler Lockett, uh, reliable. We've talked about that offense before, but it, it just feels like you're going to have to live with the bad weeks. Yeah, I think so. And, I, you know, I think um, they have a really good connection. His, his target rate is still really strong. I'm talking about with uh, with Geno Smith. Yeah. And I think the Seahawks offense will bounce back. This is one of those games where just, like, they missed on a couple of big play opportunities. Mm. Didn't quite all pan out. Um, but I still trust Lockett. I still think, you know, they're funneling. The big thing with the Seahawks offense is they're funneling all their targets into DK and Lockett. And, if it, you know, even with a – you know, team that's a little bit up and down, or, or maybe we don't quite trust Geno Smith yet. Um, that's just overall the fact that they funnel their offense through two guys is huge and fancy because it's just more predictable. It's just more reliable. You're not having them like have three or four or five guys that are part of the passing game or heavily part of the passing game. So um, I'd still stick with Lockett. I'm, I'm still definitely very excited about DK Metcalf. And again, those big plays are going to come because Geno Smith is pushing the ball down the field. So um, yeah, I'm still. I still believe in in this offense, and I still believe in those two guys. Uh, two more, really quickly here. Uh, Chris Olave, I think, is coming back, but Landry and Michael Thomas out. Is there any other names we need to be aware of in New Orleans? Uh, Mark Marquez Callaway, I guess. Um, to be honest with you, like I wouldn't really mess around too much with the other guys. <laughs> like it's, it's probably you know Chris Olave is going to get the vast majority of the targets. And then it's going to be maybe Traquan Smith, maybe Marquez Callaway, maybe Juwan Johnson, maybe, um, you know, there's a bunch of other guys. Taysom Hill, maybe. Uh, I don't think any of those other guys are going to be super reliable. If you're in a really, really deep league, though, 
Um, I believe if Marcos Callaway plays this week, then he'd probably be the next man up. Uh, this one, uh, talking about Daryl Henderson, and you know, we have saw some reports this week that maybe Cam Akers could get trade, traded out. Does that mean a big boost for Daryl Henderson? And they're also asking about Juju Smith-Schuster as well. Was that just a blip last week? Uh, with both of those guys, this is the way I'd put it. I don't necessarily think they're elite talents, but I think the situations are so good that you have to start them in fantasy. Right. With Henderson, with Henderson, like, I don't know. He just, to me, is not, like, I've never really thought he's all that impressive, all that talented. He's, he's got some slasher, like, um, style to him, but, like, he doesn't break a ton of tackles. Um, so you're just going to have to live with the fact that he's not, like, the greatest player ever, but he is um, getting the vast majority of the workload, at least right now, um, they're kind of riding him, and that's, like, what we've seen with uh, Sean McVay over the years is, like, he generally gives his main starting running back, like, the vast majority of the workload, so that's great. Um, but, you know, so, like, I think you just have to live with a little inefficiency probably from him. But I do think it, for now, until Kyron Williams comes back and proves that he's going to, like, take over in that backfield, that's their uh, rookie out of Notre Dame, um, I would definitely trust Henderson and, and start him this week. And then with Juju, I mean, again, it's, you know, you're, you're catching passes from Mahomes during an offense like the Chiefs. The volume has been there, and he just kind of capitalized on some big plays this week. I think he's going to be up and down. He's going to continue to be up and down. But um, in terms of flex plays, he has a really high ceiling just because he's in this Chiefs offense. So um, that's maybe like a tiebreaker if you're thinking about what to do with that flex spot. Um, but I'm not like I'm not super you know excited about what Juju's going to do the rest of the year. But he does have those those like you know potential 20 point plus games in his future. Just picking the right one is kind of the hard part. Good stuff, DK. Always appreciate it. Uh, at Danny B. Kelly on Twitter and then the Ringer Fantasy Football at gmail.com if you got more stardom cinema questions and also check out the pod, uh, the Ringer Fantasy Football podcast at theringer.com. Uh, good luck in week seven. I think I'm playing you this week. Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're probably going to beat me. My team's not very good. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right, we'll talk soon. <laughs> all right, later. It's Danny Kelly uh, joining us here as he does every Wednesday at 3.30. Uh, you can always get your questions in 650-650 to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. All right, let's get to the people's picks. Do it every day here. Brought to you by Play Now Sports. Every game, feel like the big game when you bet with Play Now Sports. Brought to you by BCLC. Didn't do Guess the Lines yesterday, and I've managed to stay in my cocoon. Dom's got some games for me here. Uh, looking ahead to week seven. Dom, what do we got? Let's start. It's so intense, this music. With Giants at Jaguars. So Giants continue their winning ways against Baltimore somehow. The luck keeps going. Uh, Jaguars, look, I still rate the Jaguars well, uh, but they, they lose a heartbreaker against Indy. I will say I'm going to be too high on the Jaguars. It should be a pick em. I'll go Jaguars one and a half. It's Pickham. Giants plus three. No way. Yes. The Giants are three now, point According dunk? to play now, Giants plus three. Wow. A full field goal. All right. All right. Next one hit me. Wow, I was way off. The next one. I think that was the worst one I've been off this year. Packers at Commanders. So Packers are kind of a mess right now, but look, it's back-to-back -back losses. They're on the road in this spot. Uh, who wants to bet on Taylor Heineke right now? Uh, Thomas Trance, apparently. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I go with a full touchdown. You know, just give me five and a half. Just give me five and a half. Yeah. Five and a half. There that you makes go, sense. Because six. Yeah. Like, who's laying six with the Packers right now? That offense can't score touchdowns. All right. One for two. We'll go Seahawks at Chargers. 
they wrote them off, but they're right back. Uh, they're sitting at three and three uh, at the Chargers, who are on the short week, uh, playing a divisional game. Uh, the Seahawks offense can score, so I don't think you'd get the full touchdown. Uh, let's go six and a half here. So close. Seahawks plus six. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I thought maybe we'd go the other way, but all right. One for three. Yeah. We go to Chiefs at 49ers. I wonder if this is going to be a letdown spot for the Kansas City Chiefs. So they're going across the coast now, uh, playing on the West Coast against San Francisco, off of Buffalo, and I think they have a bye coming up as well. Uh, San Fran loses to ATL. Give me the Chiefs. Super Bowl rematch as well, so uh, a little revenge. Uh, give me the Chiefs in three points. 49ers plus two and a half. Below a field goal. Yes, sir. Interesting. And finally, what would be guess the lines if I didn't throw the Jets in there? Jets at your Broncos. Not my Broncos at all. Do we have a status update on Russell Wilson? Is he? Do, do we know if he's playing? Uh, apparently, he has Wolverine blood, and his hamstring is right. fine. Nano bubbles and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so they're on the short week. Uh, Jets get that big win. Uh, so I imagine the Jets can be pretty public here. Uh, do they deserve to be favorites? Road favorites. Zach Wilson's still not completing a lot of passes. I don't think so. So let's go Broncos favored by one and a half. Jets plus one. Jets are favored. Jets plus one. Oh, plus one. Plus one. Oh, okay. So it's just off. Just off. Just off. All right. That's good stuff. Uh, I'm going to have to write the Giants down. Giants might be a uh, early pick six pick. We'll do that on Friday. No show tomorrow as well because it's another Canucks game day. You know who's going to set you up for that? Dan Reed Show, Satyar Shaw. They're on the way with Canucks Central. You've been listening to The People Show.